He knows your name. And in the presence of Almighty God, continue to stand as we read from God's holy word. And we stand out of reverence for his word. We're going to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. John chapter 12. As we hear one of the occasions that Jesus was in as he's on his way to the cross, he knows his assignment. Many of the people don't. So after he had raised Lazarus from the dead, people were really upset because they said, if he keeps doing these kind of things, we're going to lose everything we had and everything will be different. So we come now, as Jesus is just taking it easy, trying to hide from those who are after him, and we find him in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear these words. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary, Martha's sister, took a pound of costly perfume made of pure noid, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. Oh, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, you know, the one who was about to betray him, he said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? Now, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. And then Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. Oh, you'll always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. And won't you pray now with and for, for me. Heavenly Father, as we gather in your precious sanctuary, we pray that there is a sanctuary wherever people find themselves today. For those of you who are watching, for those of you who maybe after today are listening, we, we praise God's holy name. And so, Lord, as I stand before your people in person and virtually, Lord, I ask that you would allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, 
For you are my strength. And you are my redeemer. In the precious and holy name of Jesus we pray. Let the church say amen. Our sermon topic for today is when love is criticized. When love, real love, true love is criticized. Beloved, sincerely and um, sincereness and purity of heart being a Christian all of our lives, going to church every Sunday, those things will not exempt our love for the Lord from criticism. Actions that are unselfish, that seek to give our best and our all will not be appreciated by everyone. And so in our scripture lesson today, we want to lift up a person who will, who will model for us just how much she loved Jesus. Her name is Mary, Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha. She's an excellent example of how extraordinary love can be misunderstood and criticized. In all of the New Testament, Mary of Bethany is one of the most quiet, unobtrusive, and tender-hearted people that we have met in the scriptures. Mary never pushed for any recognition or, or authority. She never sought the spotlight. She never spoke out, acted harsh. She never was mean or disrespectful towards anyone. And although she never criticized anybody else, she was criticized. And although she minded her own business and never bothered in anybody else's business, people bothered in her business. Can I get an amen? amen. So, so just let us note that we don't have to bother anybody people to bother us. Yeah. We don't have to interfere with anybody else's business for others to interfere in our business. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because, beloved, because life has a way of intruding upon our space. People want to be in our business. They want to stir our Kool-Aid. And then they want to drink it. You know what? Most victims of crime are those who were not bothering anyone when they were attacked. Happens nearly every week in our society. For a monster to have killed children who were not bothering her at all. Most of those noble Africans who were brought to these shores as slaves, they weren't bothering anybody. 
when they were captured, the, the, the so-called Mexican immigrants who came to the land that they owned first and not bothering anybody. They're busy creating work for themselves and running from poverty. Therefore, one of the basic facts of life is that whether we bother others or not, we are going to be bothered. Glory to God. Especially if we love Jesus. Oh, it's true, it's true. Because none of us have the privilege of, of being left alone. We love Jesus. Even our secret acts of devotion and love will be criticized by those who don't understand us. And so in the gospel, the gospel writing of the Bible, the spotlight falls upon a woman named Mary. One, two, and three times the Bible talks about Mary. In no instance is she bothering anyone, and yet two of the three times she's being criticized. It's an interesting feature about the three instances when Mary is highlighted at Jesus' feet. Because in two instances, when the mirror was on the feet, was at the feet of Jesus, uh, they involved acts of worship and, and adoration and expressions of love and gratitude. And, and these were the times that she encountered the most criticism from people. Listen, listen. During one of her visits to Jerusalem, Jesus was in the home of Martha, Mary, and her brother Lazarus. I'm just going to remind you of this. And, and her sister Martha, remember, she was in the kitchen cooking and making things and fixing the meal. And Mary was in the living room sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was listening to his word. And the scriptures tell us that, that Mary's sister Martha was distracted with much serving and went to Jesus. And then she had served to say, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me in the kitchen to serve everybody and fix the meal? Well, I said, tell her to come help me. <laughs> well, in this instant, Mary was criticized by her sister for not helping her in the kitchen. And we can find the same story in the Bible about Jesus being criticized by his family because they said he ain't nobody. We knew him when he was, was playing softball. We raised in a house with him. He, he ain't nobody. Well, the second instance is, is the one what we are learning from uh, today, because today, this morning, on this Palm Sunday, in our lesson, we see Mary at Jesus' feet again. Ah, oh, Mary loved to learn from a man called Jesus. We see Mary at Jesus' feet. It was another dinner in their home after, after Jesus had just raised her brother, Lazarus, from the dead. Martha was serving as you. But without complaint this time, she, she had sense enough to shut up because she didn't get away with it the other time. And, and Lazarus, even, who had been raised from the dead, was sitting at the table alive with Jesus. 
and oh my, Mary, Mary was so moved, so moved by her love for the Lord that, that she just wanted to express her gratitude to him for all that he had meant and all that he had done for each of them. She just wanted to express her love. I've heard people, they get up shouting in the church and somebody will whisper, it, look, it ain't worth all that. Somebody say amen. What they talking about? It ain't worth all that. So, so Mary left the room and, and she returned with a container, a jar, of, a jar of very, very expensive oil. This is a replica of that joy. Oh, my God. It was, it, it, it was an joy for her to bring her expensive ointment. And she wanted to anoint, not his head, but his feet. And she wanted to wipe them, not with the rag, but with her hair. Let, let, let's look at what all this meant. Beloved, you know, the scripture tells us that the whole house was filled with the sweet smell of Mary's extravagant gift. In a house where there was all kind of food odors and every other kind of odor. However, after Mary finished anointing the feet of Jesus, only the sweet, sweet smell of her offering was evident. The aftermath from her act of love was more powerful than any other smell in the house. Oh my, oh my, you know what? When, I, when love when love fills a house, it's able to observe a whole lot of other things. Poverty can be absorbed and overcome if love is present. I heard so many people say, I didn't even know we were poor. We were just loved so much. People can be happy with little if love is present. You see, even when love is present in a church, in a church, misunderstandings and petty grudges and bitterness and hostile attitudes are all absorbed by the sense of love. Instead of division and confusion and coldness and indifference, when love is present in a church, then we're able to say and able to sing, there's a sweet, sweet, spirit in this place and I know that it's the spirit of the Lord because there are sweet expressions on each face and I know they feel the presence of the Lord now while some were refreshed by Mary's act of extravagant love Judas, somebody say Judas, Judas. Judas and a few others were offended by it. You know, evil people always have a crowd. They have a crowd hanging around them sometimes more than saved people. There will always be those who are offended by the generosity of our love. There will always be those who will, who will look 
up on open-heartedness and generosity of love as a waste. And so listen, listen. When Mary expressed her love for Jesus, she was criticized by those whom we might expect to have rejoiced with her. Once she was criticized by her own sister, now she was being criticized by one of the Lord's disciples. Isn't that something? It's not the world that criticizes you so much. If you in the church, you know who criticizes you when you in the church? The church. Oh my God, she broke with how things had always been and she was expected to just do what would make other people happy. Lord, have mercy on family and church folk. Can I get an amen? So, so let's look at this lesson again. What we know is that Mary was criticized because in both instances, she expressed extravagant admiration and love. She broke with the custom and the tradition of the church of her day. She broke with the culture and customs of her time. You see... When Mary sat at Jesus' feet, she was in the posture of a student. But in that culture, a rabbi, a teacher, by positioning himself in a high chair and his students sat on the ground so that they were literally at the teacher's feet. But in that day and in that time, all of the people who could sit at the feet of a teacher or rabbi were men. No women were allowed to sit at the feet of the teacher and be taught. Women were expected to be where Martha was in the kitchen and not at the feet of the master teacher learning about the deep spiritual things of life. I cannot tell you how much I identify with Mary. I cannot tell you the experiences uh, that the biases in my life as a woman called to preach. And even when I said God had me, the answer I heard was God does not call women. It got to the point when I was in high school that people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I would keep my mouth shut and just cry. Because I knew I couldn't say a preacher. The preachers themselves had told me that you can be a missionary. You can marry a preacher. But you can't be a preacher because God does not call women. When I was in Compton, there was a Baptist church right across from the church 
who, because the church, when we went in it um, to merge, there were not many people there, maybe about 15, and we merged with 300, and so the parking lot was full, and, and every Sunday somebody would come and say, oh, pastor said across the street that everybody over here at your church is going to go to hell, because God does not call women. Oh, Mary. I know, I know, Mary, trying to break all of the, of the, the non-biblical things in a world that is biblically illiterate and some pastors who are so ignorant that they can't even exegete the word of God correctly. Oh, I got I got. Whole list of things. I think I might write a book about the experiences I went through. I think of Martha in the kitchen, and one of the first churches the bishop sent me to was a little church, and I was I was preparing to go into the pulpit, and I said, "What's taking everybody so long for the meeting?" And the women said, "Who who are really my worst enemies?" To tell you the truth, the women said, "We waiting on you to come back here and help us make some tuna sandwiches." I say, well, keep waiting. Because I don't make tuna sandwiches with the women of the church no more. Oh, glory, glory to God. Oh, I was the only black woman in my seminary class. I'm the first black woman to be elected president of black seminarians at Perkins School of Theology. Oh, my beloved, it's been, it's been a fight to change the status quo. It's been a fight to say Jesus calls me when the world says, Jesus, don't call women. And do it anyway. Mary said, I don't care what y'all say. The spirit of God inside me is saying I can sit at Jesus' feet. And believe it or not, Jesus did not tell me I couldn't. If you read the Bible, you'll know that Jesus broke every rule around women in that particular culture. And nobody has been more surprised than me when God has opened doors for me that I wasn't even trying to go through because I didn't expect it. I didn't expect good things to happen to me. I expected it to be a struggle because everywhere I went, it was a a struggle. And nobody had more surprise than me when doors I could have never, ever imagined were open to me. I know what Mary's feeling. Jesus is not saying anything about her sitting at his feet. Nobody has been more surprised than Mary on me. I've never thought that I deserved anything. Never expected anybody to give me anything. I've always known that I was a woman in a man's world. <laughs> and believe me, people have loved to remind me of that. Not some churches, but every church I've been in. I've been reminded in many ways, silent and verbally that I ain't nobody but a woman and God does not call women. But let me tell you what God can do. Let me tell you what God does. 
that people can't do with a few good, powerful, spiritual, black and white preacher men. The first man to take me under wing was one of the most powerful black men in the United Methodist Church, Dr. Zan Holmes Jr., who had schools and everything named after him in the city of Dallas, who was elected the best dressed and, and was a state senator and anybody else he wanted to be in Dallas, Texas. He looked at me one day and he said, Lydia, you're as much a pastor as I am. I've watched. I want you to put on a robe and join me in the pulpit. Had never been done. Never. He said, now if people ask what you're doing in the pulpit with a robe on, and they're getting on your nerves when, when they keep asking you, just tell them, talk to Dr. Holmes. Powerful, powerful men, powerful God-infused men. Oh, I just want to name a few because one day there's so many stories I might just write about it. I don't know. It's so many, so, so many stories. Dr. William Epps' Second Baptist Church in Los Angeles, the historic Second Baptist Church, called me and asked me to preach at the seven last words, and no woman had ever done that and his friend said if you let her come we'll never come back to your church and so I start having panic attacks you know it feels to be robed up with a lot of brothers robed up who hate your guts and don't even believe you were called and you're gonna go anyway Panic attacks I'd have sometimes. And then I'd get out there and the Lord would do things with me I didn't even know I could do. After three years, uh, they elected me permanent. Seven last words where women had never been. And then, I'm just going to say this. Do, had you ever heard of Bishop Kenneth Olmer, Faithful Central? Oh, he's the one who took me under wings and took me to teach at Oxford and London and took me to John Wesley's house. Not a United Methodist. Did you, did you ever hear Dr. Robert Shuler, the late Dr. Shuler at the Crystal Cathedral? I'm just, I'm just talking about a few miracles that happened in my life. When the church was beating me up because I was a woman, God didn't send anybody. He didn't send anybody. He sent the most powerful men in the country who would call me and say, would you come? I'm going, how in the world did I get to the Crystal Cathedral? Shula's office called and said, we want you to preach at, at the conference, the infamous worldly conference at the Crystal Cathedral. I'm thinking, God, oh my God. Then after I did that, he said, who taught you how to I said, oh, black man named Dr. Holmes, he's the best preacher in the world. He said, oh, I thought you came to the Shuler School. I said, no, I haven't even heard of the Shuler School. His office called again and said, Dr. Shuler has an engagement to Bermuda. He's asking you to go. 
with him. On the wing, they just, they just, they just took me on the wing to the preachers who talked about me. Could have never, ever taken me anyway. It was the little preachers who hated my goods. Not the big famous preachers. They saw my work and they took me under wing and I will never, ever forget them for that. Dr. Shuler was just wonderful. He was so wonderful. He, we would be in a limousine. Everywhere I'd go, they'd pick me up a limousine. You know, in the United Methodist Church, ain't no pastor been picked up in no limousine. That's all I got to say. But Dr. Shuler would jump out of the limousine, run to the second limousine, and get me out himself. We would go in the palace of the president of Bahama, and he would look at me and he'd say, people are going to stand when he comes, but you, you don't stand. They stand. For you, you are a pastor in the church of Jesus Christ. People stand for you. Sometimes I just go back to the room or the suites they had and all around. It's a whole nother world out there. The United Methodist Church don't even know about it. It's a whole nother world where pastors those who represent the sacred, whole another world of how people treat you. Oh, with God who called me, Jesus, who filled me with the power of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit alive inside of me. I made it through. I made it through. Yes, people were still laughing, and yes, people were still criticizing, and yes, to this day, if you read how black women have been treated in this denomination, Lord have mercy. And yet, we stayed. However, today, many are leaving because of the treatment, so pray for them. When, beloved, First, Mary sat at Jesus' feet with the men. Mary anointed the Lord with ointment. She then unbound her hair, isn't it? And she wiped his feet. In that era, no respecting woman would appear in public with her hair hanging down. It would mean that she was a loose woman in our society, we would have called her a hoochie. Because you see, unbound hair was a sign of a loose woman. Today she would have been called that word I just said, but oh no, she did it anyway. Because God had called her. And then listen, beloved, when we, when we have sat at Jesus' feet and, and his love has filled our lives, we feel free, free to dream and free to think new thoughts and free to love and free to try the unusual and free to get out of the place that society has prescribed for us. It's amazing. Because the Bible says, for the person whom the Son sets free 
is free indeed. Hallelujah. When we have been freed by Jesus' liberating love, when we have been freed to let tears of joy flow in the midst of the darkness, when we feel free enough to clap and wave our hands and praise to God, when we feel enough to shout hallelujah, glory to God, and when we testify, when we testify about the goodness, the goodness of God, then we're free. We're free enough to walk down the aisle or stretch out on God's word and join the church of Jesus Christ in a day when people are ignoring the church, Christianity, and God. I'm talking about what happens when we receive and when we allow, when we, when we surrender to the love of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about when we obey whatever God tells us to do, no matter what. Oh, he loves you and me. If others pass the wrong judgment and misunderstanding our actions, that's all right. It's all right because Jesus is the lover of our souls. Jesus will understand. And you know what? That's enough. That's enough. Yes. When I'd walk into church and my church and the choir could sing, and then the pastor said, I don't allow women in my pulpit. I didn't. I never fought my brothers about that. You know why? Because Jesus was a more than enough. No matter where I sit, Jesus was my more than enough. I didn't make a fuss. I just sat in the congregation while my choir sang up in the choir stand and let it be, let it be. Because Jesus was my more. Than enough. Mary was right in believing that Jesus would understand because both times when her love was criticized, Jesus came. Oh, yes, he did. He came to her rescue. I'm talking about Jesus came to her rescue. She didn't have to say a word. Jesus defended her and fought her battles. Jesus told her sister, Martha, Martha, you distracted and anxious about many things, not all of which are related to the upbuilding of God's kingdom. Oh, Martha, one thing is needed more than any other one thing, and that you center yourself in my word so that you can be saved. It's all about Jesus. Oh, Jesus continued. He said, listen, Martha, your sister Mary. See, we think Jesus, Jesus doesn't play with people like that. He, 
Your sister Mary has chosen the good potion, which shall not be taken away from her. Glory to God. Don't care how you talk about her. Don't care how you criticize her. Don't care how you look at her. Jesus is on her side. Oh, glory to God. And in addition, our lesson tells us about Judas. There come Judas. Somebody told all the church people. The church. Mary's breaking the jaw. He has a reaction to Mary breaking the jaw of expensive oil. You know, today Bible scholars say that that oil would have cost $20,000 in Judas. Say, why is she wasting such valuable perfume? Huh, the, the, uh, what's wrong with that crazy woman? Does she have any idea what that stuff costs? Does she realize what could have been done with the proceeds if it had been sold? She could have used that money to feed the hungry. He could have used the money he stole to feed the, feed the hungry. And so... She could have used that money, right? Judas, the big mouth, cloth to naked and home, house the homeless. And, and then again, and then again, I'm going to tell you, I know for myself, Jesus will always speak up for you when you're being obedient to his word. He'll speak up. Jesus, again, he spoke up for Mary, he said. Jesus told Judas, leave her alone. Now, this is her ointment. Purchased with her money, earned with her labor, and you ain't contributed nothing to it. So you don't have anything to say about it. Leave her alone. Let her express herself as God's spirit has directed her. Oh, leave her alone. Because what she's doing is in preparation for my burial. Jesus said, the poor will always be with you because I know you. <laughs> you ain't going to never do the right thing, Judas. The poor will always be with you. So just let Mary express her love to me while she can. Because she'll only have me a little Beloved child of God, you have to see this picture when Mary pours that precious oil on Jesus and she prepares him for burial after his crucifixion. It's not because she doesn't care about anyone else. It's because Mary gets it. <laughs> I said she, she gets it. She understands what Judas does not understand. And when we are ruled by our self-interest and our controlling need to do it our way, we rush ahead blind, and we don't get it either. This is a test of the church of Jesus Christ today. People are saying, well, the church, I can't go back to the church. It's a test for the church of Jesus Christ today. Well, you know what it used to be. It's a test. God says, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you perceive it? And you're not going to church, you fail in your test. Things got to be the way you want it to be, you fail in your test. Preacher got to do what you want to preach, you fail in your test. 
Jesus holds up Mary as an example for us because she allows herself to be open to the moment of being in God's presence. Oh, when you come to God's house, this is his house, you come wanting to be in God's presence. She loves Jesus. This man looked her in the eye and called her to sit beside him as one of his disciples. This man raised her brother from the dead. She knows to expect miracles from Jesus. She knows he deserves costly, extravagant, all-consuming devotion that captures everybody's attention and fills the house with a sweet aroma. Beloved, when extravagant love is criticized, Don't worry about it. You see, when I had, and still have been so blessed that I'd go in a United Methodist church and shout. <laughs> and they'd look at me funny. Go in a church where the pastor had a healing ministry. And I'd go up and fall out. See, other people say it's uh, slain in the spirit. United Methodists try to be cute, but God don't care. We say it's resting in the spirit. He just wants to say, you can do it. I'd fall out every time an anointed preacher touched my head. Rest in the spirit. Breaking all the rules of an ice cold denomination in every way that I went because you don't know what a person has gone through you don't know the cost of my alabaster box <laughs> you don't know what somebody has been through. Been through. The education I had to have to have a word to say in this church. The two ordinations I had to pass to have a word in this church. And then come to the church and be treated like a lay person. You, you don't know. Know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. That's why I jump. That's why I shout. That's why I say, Glory to God. That's why I love to worship Him because you don't know the cost. That's what Mary said of the oil in my alabaster. I don't know about you, but he's done so much for me. In my trials, in my pain, one of the mothers of the 
church, where the church had just beat me down. I started crying, and she took me in my office. She said, just let me tell you this, let me tell you this. Don't you ever let them see you cry. If you need to cry, call me in the office. Cry with me. But don't you ever let them see you cry in my in my hardest times, in my, in my disappointments, in my, in my fears, in my exhaustion, you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. There's a song, let me say some of the words, son, he just put this by C.C. Whining's about the alabaster box. The word says, the room grew still as she made her way to Jesus. And she stumbles through the, the tears that made her blind. She felt such pain. Some people were speaking in anger. And she heard folks whispering, there's no place here for her kind. Still, on she came. Yeah. Just listen to this song. And maybe you too can identify with it.
have a story, don't we? About pain and struggle. About sickness and suffering. About being talked about. <laughs> Laughed at. Questioned. because we love the Lord so much that we don't care what anybody else thinks. Even when it hurts, God will put salve on it. As we come today, the Bible says, do this in remembrance. Jesus said, never forget. <laughs> <laughs> 
ever. What I did for you. This week, the Lord we serve will experience the greatest pain. Live through the hardest trial because he loves you and he loves me and he said remember what I did for you don't ever forget don't be obsessed with people. Many of them have never been saved. And so as we come today to take this holy communion on this Palm Sunday, when our Holy Week starts with the stories of what people like Mary and a person named Jesus. Relationship. A story of how people will betray you. A story how people will beat you up until you think you can't take any more but Jesus God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life and so today Jesus invites us to come to him all of us who are weary and heavy laden let Jesus be the first name you call because you've been through some things your mama don't know about you've been through some things your daddy don't know about you've been through some things your sister your brothers, your friends. But Jesus knows. And so we come today to remember. According to the Gospel of Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took bread. He blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And so I invite you now to take the symbol of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and remember how much he loves you and me. We have a, a new symbol. Where, uh, the body is underneath. 
making it easier for them. body of Christ broken for you and for me. Everybody say amen. The blood of Jesus shed for you and for me. Lord, as we leave this place, we thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. That through your word and this holy communion, you have given us your son, who is the true bread from heaven and food of eternal life. Lord, so strengthen us in your service. That our daily living may show our gratitude. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray and we give thanks. Let the church say. Amen.